Hi guys, and welcome back to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast. Please welcome to the show this afternoon to tickle our funny bone. The in their first performance on the show, the comedy style of the husband and wife team, Jim and Marlene Jordan, in the NBC comedy show, Fibber McGee and Molly. Fibber McGee and Molly started in 1935 and lasted on the air for 24 years. They spent more than 2.4 decades on the old time radio and golden age of Hollywood radio stations until their show became a popular comedy show on the television. In this first episode, it is the pilot episode. Fibber McGee and Molly once they are are going along when they notice they're running low on gas. So they uh, get their gas filled up but Molly notices that McGee and tells her husband McGee that their tires low. So McGee gets the gas or the air hose and airs up his tire but he airs it up too much and ends up blowing his tire up. So the couple does not know what they're going to do. So a motorcycle cop drives by him and helps them out. And it is called the pilot episode. And in this next episode, we find Fibber McGee and Molly one day at a carnival. They end up going to the carnival and having a good time. Until McGee sees some hot dogs. And he's asking Molly if she would like a hot dog. And she tells him, no, I don't want a hot dog. And her husband insists that she should have one because they look so good. So she ends up caving in and giving in to her husband's demand. And that episode is called The Hot Dog. I hope you guys enjoy Mr. Jim Jordan and Miss Marlene Jordan in the NBC comedy show Fibber McGee and Molly. If you like the show, please comment and subscribe, guys, and enjoy the show. Thanks.
Well, what are you doing, Fibber? Will you stop rattling that script in this microphone? This ain't a script. It's a road map. A road map? Yeah. You see, this here map shows Route 42 and Route 16. Molly wants us to take Route 42, but I claim that 16 is more smoother, more straighter, more faster, Fibber more... Fibber McGee, come back here. Uh, I guess you take 42. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, 42 or Route 16, Martelli and his men find it all smooth sailing when assisted by those surf-riding surfs from the surface station, Dustoff and Brightstick. Back there, huh? yeah, well, What's your name? Uh, What's your license number? Uh, Where you going? Uh, 
Where's your silly sticker? What's the idea? Oh, oh. Answer them one at a time, McGee, starting with the red light. Remember? <laughs> Listen, officer. Uh, don't get flipped. My name's McGee, and I'm president of the ITCIOPUSNT, Local 82. Which means the International Tourist Camp Inspectors of the United States and Canada. Right. I know some pretty big men around here. Fine. The judge is six foot three. Now follow me and no bunky business, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yet it has a yet it has a whoop! That's it, 
Monty. He fluttered and fluttered, and each word he uttered, the scoundrel had plenty of breath. He did that. But when they started kissing, the snake started hissing. For he put a snake in the grass. No poor constrictor has slapped her or kicked her. She had them all doped up with gas. <laughs> but sweet glossy farmer, the lovely snake charmer, was doped by a snake in the grass. Why, even the dwarfs and the giants cried out their defiance. They saw through her lover like glass. They did that. Ah, oh, but sweet glossy farmer, the lovely snake charmer was next.
Hiya there, Stu. <laughs> what you going to sing for me? If the moon turns green, says it. If the moon turns green, huh? <laughs> well, you ought to know if it does, you know. You're, you're a kind of a heavenly body yourself. <laughs> Never, McGee. Come with me. <laughs> Go on and turn it green, too. <laughs>
Got here, son? Yeah, but I'm building on to it next month so I can handle washing and waxing. Hmm, been in business long? Oh, ever since I got out of the Army. Don't tell me you was in the Army. Sure. What division? The Rainbow. Why? Well, they had a swell record, boy. <clears throat> I was into the intelligence myself. The what, McGee? The intelligence. The what? The infantry. <laughs> that is, at first, and then I was into the cavalry and the Navy and the Foreign Legion. By Jing, boy, there's a great outfit, the Foreign Legion. You know, the Foreign Legion is the toughest, hardest-boiled bunch of fellas in the world. Most of us went into it to, to forget. Let's just forget. Well, what were you forgetting, sir? Uh, I forgot. You forgot what, McGee? <laughs> I forgot what I went in to forget. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I re-enlisted. See if I could remember what I joined up the first time to forget. <laughs> what was that, an army or a memory course, McGee? Uh, I'll never forget one thing, though. No. What was that, sir? Ermintrude. Well, in the way, Ermintrude was a camel, oh. a girl camel. Oh. <laughs> you see, I was assigned to the third camel course. Four, These were camels, not apples. <laughs> Ermintrude was a racing camel I had, real sweet-tempered camel, as camels go. And did she go? No, but I did. Oh, so, so you left the foreign legion. Yes, and the hardest thing I ever done was to part with old Ermintrude. Ah, many's the time we used to ride over the desert together in the gloaming. Many's the time I'd get off to get a drink of the well into the hot sand. Then I'd put my foot onto Ermintrude's knee and say, Wasamula. And up she raised me into the saddle. <laughs> ah, yes, sir. As I says, the hardest thing I ever done into my life was to leave Ermintrude. I'll never forget how her lips kind of quivered when I said goodbye. <laughs> I got a big lump into my own throat. <laughs> Swallowed his tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. Twas emotion. Oh. Well, sir, I left the Legion. Too many foreigners into it. 
But years later, I was here in New York one fall day, and I went in to get me an overcoat. In a restaurant? In a restaurant. No. In a clothing store. How do you do, Mr. McGee? Says Kurt, real respectful. I was well known in New York in them days. And still he was respectful? Well, well, what happened then, sir? Well, I'm coming to it. I want overcoat, it says to the fellow. Okay, says he. Reaching over to the rack. Here's a snappy number in camel's hair, says he. And I looks it over. And will you believe it, son? Right square smack dab into the middle of the shoulder was a little oblong patch of white hair. It was Ermintrude. <laughs> yes, sir. It was Ermintrude back with her old master again. Just happened and I busted down. Oh, gee, that must have been a great moment. Sure. Why didn't you re-enlist to forget that, McGee? It was too late. Ermintrude was overcoat by then. Oh. Well, sir, I bought the coat. Yes, I bought her and shoot, and I wore her for years. It was an expensive coat, and but not busted me, but nothing was too good for her and shoot. After, every time it got cold, I could feel her and shoot wrap herself around me real close. <laughs> Trying to snuggle up confection like. <laughs> she was like that, when he was. <clears throat> How much gas put him, boy? Oh, uh, five gallons. Well, give her another two quarts. Might as well have enough. No, never mind. Ah. <laughs> uh, I don't want to crowd the tank. How much do you owe you? Uh, Ninety-one cents. Thank you. Oh, by the way, huh? uh, whatever became of Herman Drew? Oh, dear. That was the sad part of it all. One day I got caught in the revolving door for Herman Drew's arm off. There was nothing else to do. So I went out and shot the coat. Gentlemen, we'd like to tell you about a free offer. Yep, we... next week, folks, we're going to give everybody listening a new car. Any make you ask for it. Yeah, All you got to do. Hey, quit no. pushing me, Harpo. Not Harpo. My name is Harlow. Well, quit pushing anyhow. <laughs> well, Fibber McGee is just a little bit wrong, folks. We're not giving away any free cars. But with every purchase of Johnson's Auto Wax and Cleaner, we are giving away a 40-cent can of Johnson's Touch-Up Enamel. There's a brush right with the can, and it's a cinch to touch up any little scratches or broken places in the finish on your fenders or the body of the car. Now, there's a special introductory price of 98 cents for both Johnson's Auto Wax and Cleaner, and you can get the can of touch-up enamel free. Better go to your regular wax dealer or service station right away with your 98 cents and ask for Johnson's Auto Wax and Cleaner. Then, clean and wax your car the first chance you get and surprise your family with a car that looks like new. you have a bright and shining date with Johnson's Auto Wax and Fibber McGee and Molly. This is Harlow Wilcox speaking. Good night. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Martelli's Orchestra, Kathleen Wells, Ronnie and Van, and starring those nutty nomads, 
those two traveling, truth-tripping troubadours, Fibber McGee and Molly. Marcelli opens the show with a musical weather report in March Winds and April Showers with our Russian rhythm boys, Dustoff and Brightsky, singing the chorus. down the macadam in that jittering jalopy, but Fibber McGee and Molly. We'd better be stopping for gas, McGee. According to the gauge, we've been running on a dry tank for 21 miles. That ain't nothing. Nothing? Nope. I mind the time I run a motorcycle from Cape Town, Africa to Mongabula, a distance of some 612 miles on a pint of coconut milk. You see, what I've done was... Never you mind now. You needn't be practicing your dime novels on me, Fibber McGee. Pull in that station then. I was just going to... Better get them bricks. Hi, folks. Gas? Ask him if he let you milk a coconut, McGee. (laughs) Oh, shucks. Sure we want some gas, young fella. All right, how much? Fill her up? Well, no, uh... How far is it target still? 83 miles. And how far from there to Milltown? Oh, I'd say about 110. That makes, uh, let's see, 83 and 110. Oh, about 200 altogether. That's just about what I figured. Give me two gallons. Uh, wait wait a minute. Uh, how, how much is it? Well, uh, the red gas is 18 and a half cents. The blue gas is 17. And the white gas is 50. Is that uh, the whitest gas you got? Mix up a gallon of blue and a gallon of red, mister. 
Purple's my favorite color. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, I hear there's a circus over in Milltown. You don't mean to be yeah, that's me. why we're going there. I used to own the big elephant they got in the circus there. Name's Myrtle. Myrtle, the gentle giant of the jungle. Real sweet elephant, Myrtle was. Sure. <laughs> she must have read the poem. <laughs> what poem? Why should the spirits of Myrtle be proud? <laughs> Remember? Quit interrupting, Molly. This young fellow asked me to tell him about Myrtle, didn't he? No. Well, sir, I brought Myrtle over to this country in 1916. She was just a kid, only 116 years old. Is that so? Yep. That's why I want to go see her again. See if that busted leg is healed up okay. Busted leg? Well, I never heard of an elephant breaking its leg. First case I ever heard of myself. You see, it was like this here. We was in the Wheeling, West Virginia one chilly day with a carnival. Played the chili con carnival, you might say. <laughs> well, sir, the first day we had a, a street parade. A parade? Sure. <laughs> McGee parade, Myrtle wouldn't step on him. <laughs> Say, whose elephant was this? Yes, sir. We had bands, calliope, animal cages, and 47 clowns. Including yourself. Including... No. <laughs> I was the elephant tender, known into the profession as a bull boss. <laughs> no argument. <laughs> now, listen, Molly, if you well, want to... Well, what happened then, sir? Well, sir, as I was saying, I always rid on to Myrtle's head on account of because she was kind of nervous and scared. Particularly was she scared of mosquitoes and moose. Moose? Right. Mouses! All elephants are scared of moose. I mean, mouses. Well, sir, there we were. A hooping down the main street there, and right into the main part of town, Myrtle stopped dead into her tracks. She'd have threw me if I hadn't been such a good elephant jockey. <laughs> threw the whole parade into a ruckus. Lions was roaring and folks were shouting, and Myrtle... Myrtle, reading the signs, knew they was going to be rioting. I never knew elephants could understand it. Understand what? Reading and rioting. <laughs> well, sir, most everybody ran into a movie theater till I could get Myrtle under control. Well, was there any damage done? Only to the truth, mister. <laughs> oh, not much. A candy store was wrecked when Myrtle went through the window. Funny thing, too. On her way through, she had four pounds of chocolate caramels, and we had a driller trunk out next day with a three-inch reamer. <laughs> but there wasn't much damage done. Fruit stand dumped over, three automobiles standing there, and, and two of them got scratched up. But the t'other one uh, had Johnson's auto wax onto it. <laughs> I kind of slipped that one in there, didn't I? <laughs> but Myrtle's leg was the main thing. Well, how was her leg injured? You mean how she come to bust it? Yeah. Well, you see, on her way out of the rear of the candy store, she had to go through a pool room. And that's how she got behind the eight ball, I suppose. <laughs> as I was saying, as she was going through this here pool room, she seen them billiard balls on the table there, and... Give him a kind of a curiosity sniff, just in passing. And, brother, will you believe me? In them innocent little ivory billiard balls laying there, she recognizes her cousin Elmer, which had been kidnapped in 1678. No. <laughs> you don't say. I do say. Well, sir, in revenge for Elmer, she give the table a boot with her leg and snap. Busted the leg right at the cow. You mean the calf, McGee? No, the cow. It was too big for a calf. <laughs> so that's why we're going over to see Myrtle, boy. Uh, how much owe you? Thirty-six cents. Thank you. Uh, but listen, sir. You didn't explain what uh, confused Myrtle in the first place. Confused? <laughs> she wasn't confused, boy. Myrtle was just bubbling over with happiness, that's all. For why, McGee? Well, sir, as the parade was going down the street, all the folks leaning out of their windows and waved their hands. And with all them palms fluttering overhead... Myrtle thought she was home into her own little jungle again. Be <laughs> seeing you, sir.
And that, friends, is Martelli and his men playing Blue Room. And if we may digress a moment from Blue Rooms, Pink Pachyderms, and White Lies, let us tell you that it will be a red-letter day in the life of your car when you give it a shiny coat of Johnson's... Well, Fibber, back again, I see. I thought you were driving over to see an elephant. <laughs> I was, young fellow, but I detoured off on the trunk line. Uh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, I come over to give you a hand with the commercial announcement, Bowax Carlock. Harlow Wilcox. And oh, yeah. I can handle the commercial announcement all right myself. Uh, that's what you think. Folks, Johnson's Auto Wax will give you a nice, shiny sheen onto your chassis that'll shine like the sun when the shine shone up. Uh, uh, I mean, when the sun shines on the teeny shine of the shiny... Folks, Johnson's auto wax... Gee, be... stick to your fibbing. You'll have to excuse McGee, Mr. Wilcox. He's been eating alphabet soup in a Greek restaurant. <laughs> McGee, why do you always have to oh, put in well, well, it may have been alphabet soup to fibber, but it will be duck soup for you to have a gleaming, protective finish on your car this summer. No matter how dull and dirty your old car looks now, Johnson's auto wax will make it shine like new again. No fooling. Johnson's Auto Wax and Cleaner work magic on any car finish. The cleaner is absolutely safe to use, quickly takes off all the old film and dirt without the slightest injury to the car finish, changes a dull, faded paint job to a bright, sparkling luster right before your eyes. And here's something very important. Johnson's Auto Wax saves the car from the damaging effect of the hot sun. The wax polish forms a tough shield of protection, so the ultraviolet sun rays cannot get at the finish to destroy its beauty. And now is the time to wax polish your car. You can do the job yourself or have it done for you at a nearby service station. Johnson's Auto Wax is for sale at hardware stores, auto accessory stores, and service stations. When you purchase the wax and cleaner, your dealer will give you free a can of black auto enamel for covering up rust spots and blemishes on the fenders or chassis of your car. But you'll hear more about this free offer at the end of the program. And now, we'll take advantage of the fact that Fibber McGee is not in sight to present that smiling little songstress, Miss Kathleen Wells. <laughs> Kathleen is going to sing every day. Honeymooners do 
do to prove to you that romance never will die. It may be only a word or a sign. I give the makes the time fly. We really don't know how we do it, but here are Fibber and Molly McGee tomorrow morning, all ready to leave the tourist camp for the day's driving. Fibber McGee, where have you been? Uh, oh, who, me? Well, who do you think, Henry VIII? Yes, what? Don't be trying to change the subject. I want to know where you've been all morning. Do you think we'll get any place lying around the tourist camp all day? Lying around. Chucks, I was just telling some folks over there how me and Mike McGillicully built that there dirigible submarine yeah, and just it what off. I says, lying around the tourist camp. <laughs> I got you there, McGee. Yeah. <laughs> now, where have you really been? Just over to the hot dog stand there to get me a hot dog. Oh, a hot dog, is it? Yeah. You got a pretty big appetite for hot dogs all of a sudden, seems to me. Well, they're real good hot dogs, Molly. Big and shiny, like they've been all polished up with Johnson. And never you mind the advertising. Okay, okay. But say, Molly, there's a real pretty gal behind the counter over there. Sweetest big violet eyes. Oh, oh what girl is it? And with big violet eyes. Yep. It's too bad she squints. Well, I'm ready to start any time you are. Well, that's lovely. You're ready any time I am. Yep. And I've been ready all morning. Check the tires, McGee? Betcha. I kicked every one of them. How about that one on the off-hind side there? Looks a little lumpy to me. If you put that new inner tube in wrong like you done... Now, 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 Molly. Don't you tell me how to put in inner tubes. Wasn't I the fastest and best tire changer at the racetrack at Indianapolis on the 4th of July? They don't race on the 4th. It's on Memorial Day. Uh, Of course. That's why they call it Memorial Day. In memory of me breaking the record, changing tires for Speed Mix Bud. Why, I mind the tires. Never you mind now. I want to know about our tires. What makes it so lumpy? Look at it. Well, you you, you know, Molly, we we come over one of the highest mountains in these parts yesterday. And so what? Why, Molly, you you know mountain air is bumpy, don't you? (laughs) Remember, I pumped up that there tire right onto the top piece there. for the... And who told you that mountain air was bumpy? Air is air, and hot air is McGee. It's a well-known fact, Molly. As I was flying airplane once over the Sangahookas Mountains, the radio operator says to me, he says, Pilot, he says... Pilot? Uh, assistant pilot, he assistant says... Assistant pilot? Go away, he says. Have you noticed how bumpy this here mountain air is, he says? And I says to him, Giver I Giver McGee, I don't ride a mile from this spot till I know for sure that that tire is all right. So don't be wasting air that might be needed. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll look at it. Uh, 
You wouldn't care for a hot dog, would you? First, no, I wouldn't. And suppose you keep your face out of the hot dogs long enough to face some cold facts. Chuck's I'd, I'd kind of go for a hot dog myself right now. <laughs> go on with you. <laughs> if you had three more of them things today, you, you wouldn't be able to set the car for wagging your tail. <laughs> now get busy, Mr. Oh, okay, I, I just thought I'd... Uh... What was it you wanted me to do? Get some oil? No, forgetful. Check up on that bad tire. <laughs> you don't mean that bad tire. You mean the worst of the bad tires. <laughs> don't be stalling for time. Okay. Hey, you mean this one? Why, shucks. It's as solid as the rock of Gibraltar. Gibraltar, ignorant. The G is soft, like that tire's going to be when we're ten miles out on the road. <laughs> Don't you worry about that tire, Molly. Baby, when I change his tires, they say change. Why, I mind the time when I... There you are, McGee. Can't you just smell the fresh mountain air coming out of that tire? Well, uh, Chuck's Molly, uh, how'd I know? Well, I'll, I'll change it again. Uh, hey, Molly, where are you going? Where are you going? You stay there and get busy. I'm going to get yourself a hot... Oh, hey, Molly, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, Come here. What is it now? Uh, Chuck's Molly, I'm... I'm sorry, I... I didn't think that time. Listen to me, McGee. The idea of a man your age... What do you mean, a man my age? Why, shucks. I can jump up and crack my heels together, can't I? Sure, but there's no use having both ends cracked at once, McGee. <laughs> well, anyway, nobody's no older than what he feels. What's the good of counting all of your birthdays? When the future has so much appeal. Why, it's the same on your first as it is on your 91st birthday. Take You're right, away, McGee. You're just as old as you look and just as young as you feel. Oh, my heart is full of romance. When the grass is growing green, I may be over 60, but I feel like sweet 16. Whoop, whoop, be doo when you think that you're Clark Gable, that fella on the screen. I may be over 60, but I feel like sweet 16. 16. I want to dance. I want to sing. I know it's winter, but it feels like spring. I'm not too old to have my dream. The world don't owe me a gosh darn thing. Why, McGee, you're the life of every part. You betcha. You're a jolly jelly bean. I may be over 60, but, but I feel like sweet with a hey nolly nolly and a razzmatazz when I'm on a kitty party. I'm the youngest on the scene. I may be over 60, but I feel like sweet 16. Hot cha cha Though my friends are fat and 40, still I keep my shape so me. I may be over 60, but, but I feel like sweet six. I have no ache. I have no pain. I'm not rheumatic when it feels like rain. I've got romance in every vein. I spend all evenings in lovers' lane. <laughs> you don't need overhauling, McGee. You're a darn good old machine. <laughs> I may be, but I feel like sweet And that was that, with a Hey Nonny Molly and a Fibber McGee, from which we go into a number by Martelli and the trio, in which the losers are all winners. Lost the rhythm, lost the music, lost the man. Take it, Rico.
got no rhythm. Where's well, your music? Got no music. I lost my rhythm and I lost my music when I lost my man. Where's your ambition? No ambition. No ignition. No stuff. There's no show. It's only intermission when you've lost your man. Why don't you try dancing? Well, my dancing doesn't mean a thing. You were a hot singer. The what singer can sing her song without a song to sing.
This is the National Broadcasting Company. Well, guys, that does it for Mr. Fibber McGee and Molly in their first episode on the show for this afternoon. I hope you guys enjoyed their performance. If you like the show, please comment and subscribe. Join me later on tonight, guys, as I bring Mr. Joseph Cotton to chill our spines. And then please welcome back by popular demand, Miss Francis Langford with Mr. Don Demichi or Mr. Lou Parker in the NBC comedy show, The Bickersons. And then join me next week, guys, as I bring back to the show, Mr. Joseph Lund, Mr. John Lund. And join me in the coming weeks as I bring such stars as Abbott and Costello, Miss Kathy Lewis, Miss Doris Day, and many others. And if you like the show, once again, guys, please comment and subscribe. I want to once again thank everybody who has listened and subscribed. I really, really do appreciate it, guys. Have a wonderful day, and always remember to enjoy the show. Thanks.